Hi, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again today. We're going to continue in the line of thought that we started last week, which is speaking about the will of God. Last week, we spoke about knowing the will of God. And I just want to take a couple of moments to recap some of the thoughts that we had. We spoke about walking in the will of God starts with knowing the will of God. You can only walk in that which you know. We spoke about the revealed word of God, that God wants us to know his will so that we can walk in it. There's certain things in our life that may involve the unrevealed will of God, as in we're waiting to hear the Lord speak about what we should do or how we should handle a situation. But we looked at how many times in the Bible we already have the will of God revealed for us in Scripture, both in Scripture and in the ways of God. We looked last week at the prescriptive will of God and the prohibitive will of God, how in God's word it clearly says that God would have us to live this way or to do this. And in other places it says we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. When we read those verses in scripture, they're telling us the things that God would desire for us to do, but also the things that he would ask us not to do. That would be the prescriptive or the prohibitive will of God. We looked at how the ways of God reveal his will as well. Whenever you see Jesus in the Gospels, he's healing people. Every moment he had an opportunity, he healed people. He restored people. He gave life back to leper. He raised people from the dead. The woman with the issue of blood. Um, anyone that was crippled. You see that Jesus had a heart in the Gospels to bring wholeness to a person's life. And we see that in his ways, his will is revealed, not for the generation that was alive then alone, but for us also. So we see, and we concluded last week by speaking that God reveals in his word a number of things. But one of the things we finished with is that it's God's will that none would perish. God's will is that we wouldn't perish, rather we would know wholeness, whether that wholeness is in regard to our relationship with him and us having an assurance of eternal life beyond this life that we know, or whether that wholeness is in our marriages or in our health or in other situations we may face. It's not God's will that we perish, rather it's God's will that we experience wholeness in those things. Now, I want to look today at another couple of P's. Last week, we looked at prescriptive and prohibitive will of God in regard to the revealed will of God that we read in the Word of God, the Bible. I want to look today at the P's that are permissive and perfect will, because often when we talk about the will of God, this comes in to um, the topic of subject or the conversation that we have around the will of God. Let me start again by reading the verse in Romans that we started with last week. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We established last week that now our lives belong to him. We should be hungry for his will for our lives, not the will of other things that once ruled over us. It's says this is our true and proper worship <clears throat> do not conform any longer to the pattern or the will of this world when it's contrary to God's will but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect 
will. That's Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Now, some things that we can do would be found in what we call the permissive will of God for our lives, while other things would be in the perfect will of God for us. In our time together today, I want to unpack that thought a little bit further. There's a difference between being in the permissive will of God, that means the things that he permits and he allows, to knowing the preferred or intended will of God for our life. When it comes to the will of God, there's things that are permissive. He allows them, but also there's a perfect and an intended. And we have a choice which one we often choose to live in. Okay, we can choose to live within the boundary lines of what is permissible, or we can desire something that to me is far more superior. And that is that we would say, God, I want to know not just what is permissible or permissive, but rather that which is your perfect, your good, your your pleasing will for my life. You know, sadly, sometimes within Christianity, People choose that low level of walking with Jesus, of let me just live within the boundary lines of what he permits. When there's a much better experience of God that's available, that's when we begin to um, come into agreement with Romans 12 and we say, my life is not my own. Now I want to live my life for his pleasure. Lord, show me not just what's permissive, but what your perfect will for my life and the way I live is. It comes to something that I would term a matter of choice. You see, in our original design, we believe in original design. We believe our origins are true to what we read in Genesis. We believe in Adam and Eve. We do not believe in evolution. We believe in creation and a creator God that had a design for us when he made us. And a part of that original design is that God gave us a life where we had choice where we had the power to choose. This was important for his original design for us because God didn't want robots that had no choice about loving him. That's not love. That's not the true expression of love, is it? So God had to give his creation, that's you and me, the ability to choose whether we loved him or not, whether we wanted his way for our life or our way. He gave us a gift of choice. Now, when we talk about choice, it can be the greatest gift or the worst one, depending how we use it. When we realize that God gives us a choice to choose him and to choose his ways, that gives us an incredible strength in life. But if we choose to ignore God, if we choose to walk opposite to his will, then suddenly that which was a gift that was meant to bless us becomes a gift that can actually curse us. Choice is a powerful thing. Think about it for a moment that God in our original design <clears throat> gave us, Adam and us, a choice to choose him or reject him, to choose his ways or to reject his ways. Adam was given the ability to choose the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God permitted him to have a choice over the two, but the perfect will of God for Adam was that he would have chosen the tree of life, not the lie of the enemy. The perfect will of God was that Adam would have stayed with the truth 
of what God was offering and not accommodated that lie that came from the devil that he was missing out on something better that he didn't know. Now, even with our thoughts, we constantly have a choice. We have a choice whether we believe what we're thinking. That thought comes in. Doesn't mean we have to act on it, let it germinate, give birth to its actions. These are all our choices. God made us with the ability to choose. Think about Judas in that moment when uh, he'd been offended by the way that Jesus responded to the woman breaking the alabaster jar. And a thought must have come into his head. This isn't right. Uh, that's it. That's the last straw. It was an offense thought. It was a thought that came out of offense. He could have chosen to take that thought and say, no, I'm not going to turn on Jesus. No, I'm going to stay true to Jesus but he allowed that thought he chose to allow that thought to become something more than a thought it became a stronghold which caused him to sell out Jesus to the leaders that were looking to crucify Christ can you see here that there was so much choice God gives us choice but we got a purpose as we live kingdom lives to choose the right options the ones that belong to him now, we can choose to live within the boundary lines of what's permissible, or we can desire something superior. Now, when it comes to thoughts, we need to choose to walk in his will and not the things that are not his will. But also we can choose to want or walk in his perfect will, his good, pleasing, perfect will for our lives, or we can choose to live in a more general way of living where we just say, all right, this is what God permits. This is the permissive will of God. I'm just going to put my life in there and carry on living uh, with the things I can get away with. But I don't want to live that way. And I know you don't either. I want to encourage you to be a person that says, God, your permissive will isn't enough for me. Everything you do for me is good. You have nothing but love for me. Let me know your perfect will for the things I'm doing for the way that I'm living. Now, a Christian can live within the permissive um, if they desire to, or they can live in the perfect. But God has a perfect plan for your life. God has a perfect plan for things that you're facing, dreams in your heart. He's got things that are tailor-made for your life. I want to encourage you, go after the perfect. The rewards are always so much better. Now, I love to read about the words that God spoke to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. This reveals that God had plans for this man. Like I said before, you can live in the permissive will of God or you can live in the perfect will of God. Now, sometimes it's more of an effort or a struggle to live in the perfect but let me underline again, the rewards are always so much better when we live true to the things that God really designed and wants us to know. Ah, oh, that's a life that's always superior in its experience than that which just does what's permissible. So it says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Can you see that there was a specific God plan for Jeremiah's life? But Jeremiah still had the choice to choose God's plan for him or go off in a different direction. 
when you open up the book of Jeremiah in chapter one, verses four to five, it says that the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah speaking, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Remember that existence uh, preceded conception. God had a plan for Jeremiah. He has a plan for you before you were even born. He says, before I formed you in the womb, um, I knew you. uh, I set you apart. I had an appointment for you as a prophet to the nations. That was God's perfect will for Jeremiah. But what would have happened if Jeremiah had turned away from doing that? He would have lived in that which were permissive, but he would have missed out on the adventure of what God had for him in his original design. Now, there were many people in the Bible that could follow this same storyline. Abraham had a choice to leave what he knew to step into that which God had for him. Remember in Genesis, the story of Abraham. Abraham's just living his life. God steps into that and says, I've got something much better for you. Do you want it? Abraham had a choice to leave what he knew and step into what God had promised was tailor made for him. Esther, again, could have refused her moment. Remember that moment when she needs to step before the king for the saving of the nation of Israel. But Mordecai speaks to her and says, listen, don't think for a moment if you refuse to choose to do this, that God won't raise up or send someone else to save a nation, but you will miss out on something, Esther, that's God's perfect will for your life. I'm so glad that she stepped up and uh, you read about how God saved that nation through her boldness and the actions that she did. The rich young ruler that we read about in Mark 10, these are all great examples of people that have a choice to choose something different, something that God wants them to know. The rich young ruler, he had a great life. He had three things going for him, didn't he? He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. That's not a bad life. But when he saw the disciples living their life, he was jealous. He was provoked to, I want that for me too. But yet when he approached Jesus and said, I want to be your follower, Jesus said, Absolutely. But for you, the cost is going to be walking away from that which you put your hope and trust in. Leave, give away, follow me. He couldn't do that. Now, imagine he carried on with his life, living within that which was permissible, permissive. But he almost almost must have wondered what would have happened. He must have wondered what would have happened from that day. What would have happened If I'd left what I'd known, my will for my life, and stepped in to the offer of God to know something different. That's often what happens to people that choose to do a relationship, not God's way. Yeah, they may experience things that are good, but they'll never know what God had intended for that relationship if they'd had the courage to do it his way. As you get a little bit older and you walk with the Lord a few years, you begin to desire that which he has for you over that which you have for you. I'm sure that's true. And I'm sure you agree as you look back over your life of walking with him. As well as having his revealed word in the Bible, he'll often at times reveal his will in a very specific way and it will carry an agenda of something that he wants you to do, but you still have the choice whether you do it or not. A couple of examples, Moses. 
Remember, God stepped into the storyline of Moses and said, my will is that you go to Pharaoh and say, set my people free and I will use your life to bring deliverance to a nation. Moses complained about his ability to speak, yet in his heart, he said, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. And Moses saw God use his life in such a powerful way. What if Moses would have said, no way, I'm staying, I'm staying with the sheep. Jonah, um, he was meant to go to Nineveh. He could have easily chosen God's will. He didn't, and his life began to not work out so well. But then he brought his life back into alignment with the will of God, and everything began to change. You've got other stories like the disciples were prompted by the Holy Spirit to go certain places. Um, I think of that moment uh, with Ananias when he had to go to the house and ask for Saul. These were scary moments where God was saying, listen, this is my will for you, my desire, my agenda, my purpose for you in this moment. Will you step in to my perfect will for you? Or will you step aside and make it so that I've got to use someone else for the things I intended to do with you? Okay, let's look at this a little bit further. What's the difference between God's permissive or permissible um, and God's perfect? God's permissible uh, will does not have his full blessing on it. A great example of this is found in 1 Samuel chapter 8. God wanted to be the king of the Israelites. But the people saw how other nations had a king and desired one for themselves. So the will of God, the perfect will of God, was that God would be their king. But when the Israelites looked around, they saw that other nations had physical kings or human kings. They cried and they complained to Samuel, who went to God in prayer. And God permitted them to have a king. But then all their problems started, problems they didn't need to experience. They experienced war after war. The permissible will always have consequences because God's will, uh, God will give you what you want and what you're asking. But it will always end up or normally end up with you crying out because you find yourself in issues and moments that you shouldn't have been in. What do we learn from this? Be patient. Go for the will of God. Don't cry out for something when God's revealed he's got something better already for you. See, the children of Israel, God intended to be their king, yet they desired to be like other nations. So they positioned themselves. God permitted it, but they, uh, they positioned themselves in something that just wasn't as good as what God intended for them. Number two, the perfect will of God is God's divine plan for your life. The kind of man or woman you're going to marry, what career or ministry to pursue, so on and so on. It needs you to be patient and trust God. He wants to give you his very best. But sometimes we settle for less, don't we? God's got a perfect plan for you in regard of the perfect person for you to marry, the perfect career, ministry. We need to be patient and trust God in moments of frustration and not suddenly take it back into our hands and have our will be done as a replacement of his will. So again, be patient. <clears throat> Thirdly, his perfect will is always superior to his permissive will. God's perfect will um, 
is what he requires and desires. His permissive will is what he allows. Now, you'll always get more out of going what God, out of what God desires rather than that what he allows. Perfect is defined as being complete and without fault, satisfying every requirement. Permissive is defined as being tolerant or allowing something to exist. God holds the greatest love for all people. His plan for humankind is to shadow him, to walk in his perfect will for their lives. But so often humanity chooses a lesser version, that which is permitted rather than that which God truly desires for you. That can affect our relationships. That can affect our choices, the things we do with the rest of our life. When Jesus said to the disciples, come and follow me, they had to lay aside things that were their will for their life to step in to his will. So let's unpack this a little bit further, this perfect and this permissive. Now, the perfect will of God, like we read about in Romans 12, verse 2, is um, because it says perfect, it carries the idea of being complete or something, um, something being everything it's meant to be. God's perfect will means no plan of ours can improve upon it. It's the very best that we can know. Nothing can be added to it to make it better. Nothing can be taken from it to improve it in any way. It's perfect. It's tailor-made by God for us. Perfect means that we reach a goal or an intention of what almighty God intended for that thing that we're involved in. Where the permissive will of God is the um, what God is permitting and saying, okay, if that's what you want, choose that. It's not my perfect for you, but it's permissive. I'm letting it happen. <clears throat> See, the permissive will of God um, is God's allowance of circumstances to occur, whether good or bad. He allowed it, He allowed or permitted things to happen um, if we make our own decisions. And he allows the permissive will, but the outcome often leaves us going, that's not how it should have been or could have been. Here's three examples for you. Number one, God's perfect will in creation was the innocence of man. Genesis 2.25, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That was God's perfect will for his creation. God's permissive will was the fall of man from that condition. Genesis 3, 7. Then their eyes of, of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. That was within what God permitted, but it wasn't what God had a perfect plan for. God's perfect plan was that man walked in an innocence undefiled by the shame that came through the fall. Number two, another example would be God's perfect will is the salvation of man. Second Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should 
perish, but all would come to repentance. That's God's perfect will. First Timothy two verses three to four. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. So God's perfect will is the salvation of man. God's permissive will is the condemnation of man. Romans 2 verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for, the, for God's wrath uh, when his, righteous, his righteousness will be revealed. So God allows the judgment. God allows the condemnation. Yet his perfect will is that every person would experience his salvation. Another final example would be regarding marriage. God's perfect will regarding marriage is that a man and a woman will stay together all of their days. Genesis 2, 24. A man, for this purpose, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, Matthew 19, what God has joined together, let no man ever separate. That's the perfect will of God. But we know, sadly, that sometimes that doesn't work that way. So God permitted divorce, but divorce wasn't his perfect will, but it was his permissive will. We read in Matthew 19, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. In the beginning, God's design of marriage was a man and a wife coming into covenant all of their days until death separated them. But then he allowed the permissive will of God, a certificate of divorce because of the hardness of people's hearts. These are just three very simple examples of the perfect and the permissive. Now, an abiding life, I believe, knows the perfect will of God, not outside of itself, but also within itself. It says here in, um, in these verses, Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now in my absence, it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purposes. You know, the good news is that we're not trying to find the will of God, the perfect will of God, merely outside of us. But actually now, because we're born again and the Holy Spirit lives in us, if we're walking with a sensitivity to God's voice and the leading of his spirit, we actually know his will willing in us to do of his good pleasure. To me, that goes back to what we've taught on John 15. Me, branch, him, vine. The same life that's in the vine is in the branch if the branch is abiding in the vine. You see, the same will of God that's in the vine will be the same will of God working and willing within the branch to do of his good pleasure. As we purpose to walk and live abiding lives joined to Jesus, you know, as we walk with him, all of a sudden the desires within us, the things that we will begin to change. Suddenly we know our will or things that would be the permissive will of God, yet we hunger within ourselves that which is perfect. That's awesome, isn't it? 
So let's end where we started with this thought of choice. There are many things that we can do that are permitted, that would be the permissive will of God. But there is also the ability to discover what God's perfect will is for a decision, a choice, a relationship, a career. Let's not be like Israel when they demanded a king to be like others. But let's say, God, what's your perfect plan for this area of my life? And with patience and faith, discover that which God intended for us. The good news is, maybe you're a little bit older. It's never too late to start this journey. Abraham was in his 70s when he stepped in to the perfect will of God for his life. What we need to do is just have a heart that's always ready to repent, change the way that we think. You know, you may have got things wrong in the past. I've got some things wrong in the past. I look back on my life and I go, oh my, the amount of times I settled for the permissive will of God instead of the perfect. The amount of times I ignored the permissive will of God did my own thing and crashed my life but it's a new day today I'm choosing I'm going to walk in alignment with the will of God I'm not going to settle for the permissive will of God but I'm going to run after the perfect will of God for my life you know it takes trust in God doesn't it knowing what you could do by your choices but then stopping and saying you know what I don't want to live in that which you merely permit I want to know, God, your plan for me. I want to know your plan for my life. I want to know what you want me to do. What's your good, your pleasing and your perfect will, Lord? Thank you that you give me the permissive will to enable me to live in the boundary lines of your life. But I want more. I want to know, God, for this choice I'm facing. What's your perfect will? So we're going to carry on next week and finish off this mini series by looking at how do we choose the will of God? So often we have a moment where we can choose to do his will or not. We can choose the permissive will of God or the perfect will of God. Next week, we're going to look very simply at choosing the will of God. Please come back and join me. Looking forward to it already. See you same time, same place.